Hi, thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Howard Unger, and The Pharmacist is in. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening. I hope everybody's doing well. Well, it's Happy New Year, 2022, and like many of us, we decided to do some resolutions and get into shape, so we jumped on the bandwagon and joined the local gym, went there, worked out on machines we haven't touched for about 10 years, and wake up the next morning and feel pain. Wow. Or we're cleaning up the yard or shoveling snow and overdo it, and the next day we feel that pain. And that pain is caused by inflammation. What I'd like to do is talk about on this episode some of the anti-inflammatory prescription and non-prescription medications that we use to combat pain or to um, power through it. So let's begin with what is inflammation? What causes it? How does it work in our bodies? Well, what occurs is when our body encounters some type of offending agent, such as a virus or a bacteria, or even a toxic chemical, or it suffers an injury. It could be an injury such as some type of exercise we do, a motion we do that either causes a rubbing or a damage internally to maybe a joint or tissue. When that happens, it activates what we call our immune system. Now, our immune system kind of, well, it's kind of like the alarm system. And when it activates our body's alarm system, that alarm system sends out what we call anti-inflammatory cells or first responders, we can consider them. And they then go to that damaged area and also activate further first responders, substances that cause inflammation. Now, inflammation, many times people think is a bad thing. Inflammation actually is a very good thing. And there are two types of inflammation, acute inflammation and chronic inflammation. Now, acute inflammation would be due to some type of damage to the body. It could be something hits you from externally, uh, a rock, a ball, you fall, you trip, you bang your knee. It can be due to overexercise or overstimulation or overmanipulation of body parts. You're, you know, you're shoveling, you're working out, you're using muscles and you're working joints that, not, that have not been doing that for very long or have been shocked into doing that initially. And these can all result in swelling and pain and, and bruising and redness. That's what we call inflammation. So when these cells come to those particular areas, that's these substances, these inflammatory substances go to that damaged area. What they do is they try to start to begin to heal those injured tissues. Now, those tissues, uh, you generally know when you've got inflammation because there's a lot of redness, swelling, it feels hot, um, bruising, but that's just one part of it. That's the area that you see that's inflamed. Inflammation also affects other parts of the body that you can't see. For example, acute inflammation responds to sudden body damage. For example, like cutting your finger, getting a splinter in your uh, finger. Um, these inflammatory substances begin the healing process. You have also chronic inflammation. This is where the body continually seems to be getting inflamed in that particular area. Uh, an example of this is rheumatoid arthritis, where in the joints of the fingers, the toes, uh, generally speaking, 
there is a chronic inflammatory or inflammation in those areas. Asthma is many times considered a chronic inflammation of the lung and respiratory areas. So these are where pain and actual deformities can occur because of the chronic inflammation. So to recap, inflammation is a response of the body to some type of irritant. Could be a pathogen such as bacteria or viruses. Could be an external injury such as scrapes, uh, cuts, foreign bodies entering our body uh, can be caused by overstimulation or overmanipulation such as um, using muscle parts and, and joints that have not been used in a very long time or not been used to that, ex- that measure or that extreme. It can be caused by chemicals. So inflammation has a number of different ways that it's stimulated. And the body is stimulated and it goes through the immune system, which is kind of like the alarm system, which sends out substances that act like first responders and go to that specific area that's been damaged or irritated and start the healing process. Now, you'll notice that inflamed areas, they turn red, they turn warm, um, they're sensitive. Well, that's because in those areas, the blood vessels dilate. And when the blood vessels dilate, they become porous. And a lot of the cells that fight off these infections or these irritants and also clean up the area of dead tissue seep through the blood vessels into the tissues that are inflamed and therefore go to work by killing the germs or the pathogens, also by cleaning up the area of dead cells that have, been, that have died because of the germs or pathogens or by the trauma that may have occurred, and they start the healing process of cleaning up the area. So acute inflammation is a good process. It basically helps and protects the body and starts the healing process. Chronic inflammation is where an area is chronically being irritated. And in this particular situation, this is not a good process because chronic inflammation can cause deformities in that area, can cause changes in the type of tissue there, and it's even considered a possibility of what may cause or begin the cycle of cancerous cells. So we have physical injury, chemical injury, pathogens, but there are also other irritants to the body that occur in our lifestyle. For example, drinking too much alcohol can irritate the gastrointestinal tract, the stomach, the throat lining. Obesity can result in a number of irritating aspects to the body. Chronic stress, this can irritate. This is an irritant and can cause inflammation. So lifestyles can promote irritation. Differentiating between acute and chronic is is pretty straightforward. With acute um, inflammation, uh, it's short-term. Generally, there's pain in the area because that's the area that has been affected. Redness because of the blood vessels dilating. There's usually a loss of function, but that's temporary. There's swelling. That's because what happens, the body tries to cushion the damaged area. So you get what we call edema, fluid buildup in that area. And that fluid buildup both cushions that body, that area, so that further damage doesn't occur. And you get heat. Uh, this is again caused by the blood, an increase of blood vessels, or 
should say, an increase of blood flow to that specific area, and the area feels warm to the touch. Now, chronic inflammation is a little bit more difficult to pin down. Chronic inflammation, uh, abdominal pain, you could have chest pain, fatigue. There may be fever, joint pain, stiffness, such as in terms of rheumatoid arthritis, skin rash, such as psoriasis, a number of different things, but they're not as, they don't signal as quickly. They're not as easy to pin down versus acute inflammation because you know something has happened in an area with acute inflammation. Foods that basically promote anti-inflammatory activity, tomatoes, olive oil, green leafy vegetables, nuts like almonds and walnuts and fatty fish like salmon, mackerel, tuna, fresh fruits, strawberries, blueberries, cherries and oranges, and incorporating them in your diet, this can help as an anti-inflammatory, proactive anti-inflammatory agents. And obviously, where there are foods to incorporate into your diet, there are foods to stay away from. Refined carbohydrates such as white bread and pastries, French fries, soda, and other sugar-sweetened beverages should be avoided. Red meats are definitely a processed, or any processed meats can be irritants and inflammatory agents in the gastrointestinal tract. So let's talk about probably the most purchased, most utilized anti-inflammatory agents in this country, and that's the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, also sometimes known as NSAIDs. These medications come both in prescription strength and non-prescription strength. And because of these different strengths, the FDA has deemed that for the higher dosing, there is potentially greater amounts of side effects. Also, to take that strength, I gather the FDA feels you should see some type of healthcare provider. The lower the strength, they feel that self-medication, self-treatment is available and should be endeavored to be done because of the lower side effect, adverse effect profile. In either case, both of these medications, regardless of the strength, work the same way. And how they work is they prevent a certain substance from being created or made that causes severe inflammation or causes inflammation in general. So with that said, what are some of the common NSAIDs or anti-inflammatory medications that we can get prescription or over-the-counter that we utilize? Well, we have the ibuprofen, uh, naproxen, aspirin is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication. Um, aspirin, although I'll be honest, I, I'll talk about that a little later. There are a lot of warnings and precautions you need to deal with when talking about or taking or thinking about taking aspirin. You have uh, a medication called indomethacin or indocin. That's another medication used as an anti-inflammatory medication. All of these are non-steroidal. And when I say non-steroidal, they don't come from the steroid class. Don't worry. We'll talk about those in another episode. Now, people have asked, how about Tylenol? Tylenol is not an anti-inflammatory agent. Tylenol, better known as acetaminophen, acetaminophen has no anti-inflammatory properties. It's a pain reliever. It does reduce fever, but it doesn't decrease inflammation. 
so it can't be considered a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication. Now, NSAIDs can be prescribed by different routes, for example, or formulations for routes, tablet, capsule. It's in liquid form. Many times you'll find the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications for children, especially with uh, fever. Uh, ibuprofen is used uh, many times as a syrup for children and fever uh, who have fever. It does reduce fever. The anti-inflammatory agents do reduce fever. With this, let me again tell you that unless you're taking aspirin for a specific purpose that your healthcare provider knows, I would avoid taking aspirin for any of the anti-inflammatory actions that you could use an ibuprofen or an aproxen for. There are just so many drug interactions and precautions you have to take. For example, you should never give any aspirin or aspirin combination product, of which there are many products out there that are combination that include aspirin, to uh, adolescents or teenagers. There's a syndrome called RISE syndrome that is life-threatening if a child or adolescent or teenager takes this medication and there's a reaction with the aspirin that can cause severe consequences, severe effects. Also, with antiplatelet medications, if you're on any blood thinners, taking aspirin is a contraindication. If you have asthma, aspirin can actually trigger an asthmatic attack. Uh, I'll go through this a little later uh, concerning all of the um, problems and, and side effects and adverse reactions with aspirin. But overall, aspirin, I would avoid aspirin in any of these particular situations where you need an anti-inflammatory when you can go to an ibuprofen, an naproxen, an NSAID like that, uh, then go to aspirin. So the NSAIDs are great for treating both acute inflammation, inflammation caused by some type of trauma or pathogen, uh, virus, tissue damage due to some type of trauma and irritation. They're also excellent in use for treating chronic conditions. However, when treating acute inflammation, you shouldn't use the NSAIDs for more than three days unless your doctor or your healthcare provider tells you you can. There are reasons for that that I'll get into concerning the um, side effects with the use of NSAIDs or long-term use of NSAIDs that you need to be aware of. So let's talk about NSAIDs. First, not all NSAIDs uh, may work for you as an individual. Uh, your physician or your healthcare practitioner may use a group of different NSAIDs, may find that one NSAID works better than another. So there's no sta uh, standard or hard fast rule that says uh, a specific NSAID will work for you. Uh, if it does, that's great. But if it doesn't, uh, don't feel that um, you're locked into that one medication. Many times people will try different medications, different NSAIDs, and they'll find one that works the best. Also, with uh, taking NSAIDs, generally uh, on chronic conditions, such as for rheumatoid arthritis or for other types of chronic uh, inflammation, one of the differences you'll find between that of over-the-counter NSAIDs versus that of prescription NSAIDs is the strength. You'll find higher milligrams, higher dosage forms in prescription-based NSAIDs than over-the-counter. 
And those really, the higher based uh, or the higher dosage forms are generally reserved for people who have uh, severe uh, inflammation, such as with rheumatoid arthritis or um, osteoarthritis, severe muscle injury. That's when you generally would go to the higher dosage forms. It's the lower dosage forms that are over the counter. Now, most NSAIDs are taken usually between two, three, or four times a day. Obviously, you have to concern yourself if you're taking higher doses, and they would be by prescription, which would have a directions for them. But on over-the-counter medications, you shouldn't be taking any more than um, a tablet uh, or capsule, whatever the dosage formulation is, more than four times a day. And it's important to understand that if you think you should take more because you feel that it would be faster in its activity or would be stronger, you also risk side effects with that. So let's talk a little bit about some of the known adverse effects and issues you need to be concerned about when choosing and taking NSAIDs, whether they be prescription or whether they be over-the-counter. First and foremost is gastrointestinal problems. If you have been treated in the past for peptic ulcer or gastric ulcer or are currently being treated for that, NSAIDs are definitely not a medication you want to take. NSAIDs have the ability to create or cause, uh, we call them ulcerogenic medications. They have the ability to aggravate, if not create a problem with gastro, with your gastrointestinal tract and potentially uh, create ulcers. Uh, there are also renal problems, kidney problems, okay, with the um, NSAIDs. So if you have any kidney problems being treated for them, this is something, again, that you're going to have to, um, your physician or your um, uh, healthcare provider should know about and be aware of. Cardiovascular or heart problems, as I mentioned earlier, if you are on a blood thinner, the NSAIDs have the ability to potentiate that particular problem. And what I mean by potentiate a problem, I mean they counteract that of the blood thinner. Now, I'd like to talk about aspirin. Uh, my pharmacy professor once said that if aspirin were discovered today, it would be by prescription only. Aspirin has a uh, quite a number of drug interactions as well as adverse effects, both uh, in a number of different um, systems in our body. Overall, I would not use aspirin in any type of treatment for inflammation. There's just too many uh, issues and problems with aspirin. You have so many other choices to take. So what are some of the um, general side effects that you'll find with um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory? And these symptoms can be gas or a feeling of bloatiness, uh, heartburn, some stomach pains, nausea, uh, vomiting, maybe even some diarrhea. A lot of this can be prevented by taking it with food. Or if you can't take it with food, uh, taking it with, for example, Mylanta or Maalox, some type of antacid coating agent will hopefully reduce the possibilities and prevent some of these side effects. Now, there are a number of side effects that you really do need to contact your healthcare provider if this should occur. If you should ever find any kind of blood in your stools or in your urine or you have severe stomach pain, you should stop immediately taking the NSAIDs and contact your healthcare provider immediately. 
In cases where you are pregnant and you have inflammation, contact your healthcare provider to make sure that you can get clearance for taking that. I don't recommend anybody uh, who is pregnant to take medications over the counter uh, or prescription and, and making sure that uh, your uh, OBGYN is aware of it and uh, that they've given the um, clearance for taking that medication. I will have in my show notes a list of NSAIDs that are currently available, also a list of the um, types of side effects, general common side effects, some of the more serious side effects that you should contact your healthcare provider for. So this ends this episode on non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications, treatment of acute and chronic pain. And as always, please, please, please read all the directions on any of the medications that are over the counter and follow all of the directions that um, your healthcare provider has for those uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories that are of higher dosage. This has been the Pharmacist is In podcast hosted by Howard Unger. If you like what you heard, please click on the subscribe button. And if you feel so, leave comments in the star rating below. It really helps the podcast in gaining greater exposure to larger audiences. And why not? This is important information. I would like to mention I have no affiliation with any pharmaceutical company or medical institution, nor do I represent any product, product line, or corporate pharmacy entities. Please remember that this podcast is not a substitute for your healthcare provider. If you should have any questions concerning diagnosis or treatment, contact your trusted healthcare provider. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me next week for the Pharmacist is In podcast. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay medication smart.